Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we conclude our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with verses 50 through 58. This passage is a passage of great promise and hope for all believers. It reads as follows. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he teaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Victory Through Resurrection. Now, it's technically accurate to say that it is sin that stings people to death. Its power is demonstrated by the law because the law shows what sin is and the law teaches what the consequences are. The wages of sin is death. Hence, all those sin sacrifices, all those sacrifices for sin in the Old Testament involved death because there had to be a life given for a life. It taught that over and over and over again. God gave that very detailed Old Testament law to further reveal His character and His righteous requirement that you have to be perfect if you want to have fellowship with Him. That's why in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, Paul calls the law holy and righteous and good. And it's why he also says, no one can ever be saved by the works of the law. It can't be done. That's what the law was there to teach us. It can't bring you to salvation. Its purpose is to show you you can't live up to its demands. You get all the sacrifices taken care of, and next week you need another boatload of them. Next year you need another day of atonement. 
Next year, there'll be another Passover, all of them involving these bloody sacrifices where, where animal after animal after animal is sacrificed and the blood has to be applied just right. All of that was to teach us that we need a Savior. We need something better than that. And by setting the standard that we have to obtain where it belongs, perfection, and that is a standard that we are unable to reach, the law becomes sin's stronghold on us. It exposes us all as sinners. It condemns everyone. And that's why, for example, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. We have to be perfectly righteous. You shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus worked that into the the Sermon on the Mount. You can't get there except by faith by which you are credited with a perfect righteousness accomplished by Jesus, something you could never do. So you pay attention to the tutor, which is the law, which points you to the Savior. There's the victory. That's where the sting is removed. So 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the victory over sin because Christ satisfied the law's claim on us. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He took on the curse when on the tree, on the cross, He bore our sins. So God thoroughly dealt with your problem with sin. He dealt with the fact that you're dying. You're either going to die before the rapture or you're going to be transformed at the rapture. But either way, this mortality has to be dealt with. He offers His victory. He overcame death. He gives the promise that you can overcome what He calls in Romans, 12, Romans 7, the body of this death. And the whole package is offered as the free gift, the free gift of eternal life which is Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. To everyone who will call out to Him in faith, the free gift is given. Now, this leads to one of my favorite verses anywhere in the Bible. The greatest, I call it the greatest so what anywhere in the Bible. We have our problem, verse 50, This perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. We have God's solution. He's going to change us. Our victory over sin and over death. And now we come to God's call. Verse 58. This is God's call to you. If if you ever wake up in the morning and you say, God, what do you want from me today? Speak to me. Understand, He already did. You can get up tomorrow morning and you can look 
at this verse and know that God has spoken to you. It is His plan for you. Today, tomorrow, every day, all the time. Verse 58. Therefore. Therefore what? I mean, therefore always connects you with what's previous. What does this therefore refer back to? Well, start at chapter 15. It refers to verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 and through verse 57. This is what all this teaching about resurrection is supposed to lead to. Why did I tell you all of this? Why did I pour out all of this ink? Why did I say all of these things? Why did I quote all of those passages? Why did I use all of those metaphors? Therefore, my beloved brethren. Who is this for? The beloved brethren. And he's not being sexist. It's also the cistern. Okay? All in Christ. Therefore, my beloved ones, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Now, it's not a a mistranslation to translate it be steadfast, but the word that's translated be is actually the Greek word for become. In other words, he's saying the, the purpose of knowing all of this about resurrection, life after death, the grave is not the end, the victory that you have in Christ, that the law has no more sting for you. The, the purpose for knowing all this is that you would become something. What something? Well, um, steadfast. That translates a word that describes having a stable purpose and refusing to be disturbed from it. You're steadfast on what you want to get to. I get a kick out of it. Remember when we back, back we used to have football seasons and people would run with that ball and the goal is get that ball across the goal line. What some of those athletes do running at full speed, getting plastered by huge angry men um, and, and they're flying through the air and reaching out the ball and just getting it across that plane, getting it inside that pylon. That is steadfast resolve. I know what the goal is. I'm not going to let anything stop me. The difference between success and failure in the Christian life, the difference between blessing and chastening in the Christian life is often no more profound than the difference between steadfast commitment and saying you want to do it. Pseudo-commitment, unwilling to take a stand, that doesn't do anybody good, anybody any good. Relentlessly, steadfastly moving in the direction you need to be moving, which is to be more like Christ, which is to serve His people, which is to give Him glory. And then there's the word immovable. These two form quite the dynamic duo here. Immovable comes from a fascinating word. I, I looked at it carefully. It's one of those um, Greek words that has a couple of prefixes attached to it to modify it and strengthen it. And if I was going to, to translate immovable in the most literal possible way, I would say be not transkinetic. Okay? Okay. Kinetic, kinesis, kinesiology, that's motion, okay? Uh, 
trans you know, moving and there's a negated thing in front of it, um, it's underlying the thought of steadfastness. Just don't move from your position. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.